Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. We're not very good, obviously, right now. I mean, we got a lot to get better at and a lot to improve. And our guys have been committed. They've worked incredibly hard. Um, thought they competed hard uh, the whole day. You know, we got to give them um, answers, and we've got to help get them better quickly. You know, things don't get any easier for us. And uh, you know, the commitment has been there. You know, we've at, everything that we've asked of them. They've they've uh, They've responded, and uh, so I'm incredibly disappointed for them. And um, you know, and again, you know, talent doesn't win games. Uh, teams win games, and uh, we got a lot to to get better at to be to become a good football team. Oh man, Brent Venables is broken. The team is broken. Sooner Nation is broken. Our pets' heads are falling off. Um, man, it's bad. 55-24, Oklahoma falls to TCU in Fort Worth, a game that uh, a lot of people thought could be close. I said it would be close. I picked um, I picked TCU to cover that spread for Oklahoma. I think I picked 35-31. Man, I was way off. Um, what's up, everybody? Sooner Nation podcast. Uh, we've, we've got a lot to uh, – it's going to be a family therapy counseling session, I guess. Uh, some general thoughts on the game. Uh, we're going to talk through uh, three questions that are kind of lingering right after this loss. There is one nugget of good news that I'll share with you. We've got true or false. Uh, you guessed it. Uh, you guys all want to talk about the fate of this team moving forward. Um, and then I we'll go we'll go through the Big 12 rundown. I mean that that's going to be uh, that's going to probably take us through the better part of 45 minutes to an hour uh, on this episode. Okay, TCU 55 to 24. And here's the thing. This was bad from the start. This was never good for Oklahoma. You got um, you got Marvin Mims with a fumble on the opening drive. You got Jaden Gibson with a with a drop on the second drive and and I know we'll we'll talk about Dylan Gabriel in a second, but uh, people want to blame. People want to put everything on Dylan Gabriel. Uh, and and again, we'll get there, but you know, last week against Kansas State, you could go back and you could look at this play or that play, this moment of the game, and you can say, hey, here's here's how Oklahoma lost by seven points. You know, th- there isn't a series of plays from this game in Fort Worth that you can go back and do that with. E- even if you take that Marvin Mims fumble, even if you take that Jaden Gibson drop, 
Those are plays that just emphasize how much things weren't working for Oklahoma. Because I know if Marvin Mims doesn't fumble that pass, I guess that, you know, fumble the ball after the pass. If Marvin Mims doesn't fumble that ball, how's that? I think Oklahoma still loses this game. Jaden Gibson catches the ball when Dylan Gabriel scrambled to his left and threw a dart. If he doesn't drop that on third down, I I still think Oklahoma loses. I I don't think Oklahoma wins this game in Fort Worth. I mean, this this was a bad, this was bad from the start. From the very beginning, this team wasn't clicking. From the very beginning, this team wasn't functioning. And you've you've seen it two weeks in a row. Bam, 14-0 down against Kansas State. Bam, 14-0 down against TCU. This is a pattern that's got to be disturbing, not just to me as a fan, not just to you as a fan, but I'm telling you that these coaches are probably pulling their hair out, trying to figure this out. And, and they know, Oklahoma knows, they know what the problem is. They know where the problems are. It's, it's not like, I mean, I promise you, they didn't go into some sort of private little meeting after the game in Fort Worth, before they got on the bus and said, guys, our defense is really bad. Where did this come from? They know. They know the defense is bad. And here's how you know that they know. They chose to receive the ball yesterday. They wanted to put points on the board before TCU could put points on the board. Like, you you can see the emphasis. You can see the priority. Get the ball and score before TCU ever has the ball. They know where they are. You just heard Brent Venables at the onset of this. He said it, and I don't disagree. I don't think you disagree. This is not a good football team right now. And when you saw them get the ball, you saw Marvin Mims fumble. Man, body language from that point forward was not good. It just wasn't good. And, I mean, unlike a week ago, I mean, Kansas State, they kept fighting. I didn't see that fight Saturday in Fort Worth. So let's start with let's start with everyone's favorite whipping boy. Let, let's start with Dylan Gabriel. I am unapologetically a defender of Dylan Gabriel, and the reason why is because he's an easy target. People got mad at me on Twitter for being sarcastic. That's okay. Thanks for listening. Thanks for reaching out. Thanks for having a conversation with me on Twitter. We we can have different opinions. And here's the thing. Dylan Gabriel wasn't good. I've never said Dylan Gabriel is, is like the best thing ever. I'm just saying there are so many other problems. There are so many other issues. 7 of 16 is not going to get it done. That's what Dylan Gabriel was. 7 of 16 for 126 yards, 7.9 yards uh, per completion. That's where it was before he got knocked out. That's not good. But that's not the problem. That's one of many. I, I don't... I don't know that you can die. This team is so messed up functionality wise, fundamental wise, 
philosophical-wise, this team is so messed up, I don't think it's fair to put it on any one individual. Like, think about the defense, okay? Think about this for just a second. Let's talk about the defense. It's bad. It's really, really, like, comically bad. This defense is comically bad. And Danny Stutzman, who I believe is a rising star for this football team, he whiffed on some opportunities. He whiffed on some opportunities to make tackles behind the line of scrimmage. So can I blame all of the issues that this defense is having on Danny Stutzman? Would that be fair? I mean, let, let's pick. Um, let, let's pick. A, you pick anybody in the secondary, okay? You pick anybody in the secondary. I kind of want to go after one particular guy, but he's hurt, so I don't feel like it. So I'll just say you pick anybody in the secondary. That secondary, man. TCU receivers were wide open in that secondary, wide open. Like I'm talking like 15, 20 yards wide open. You saw it. That's Danny Stutzman's fault. And, and when we blame everything offensively on Dylan Gabriel, that's what we're saying. Man, Marvin Mims wouldn't have fumbled if Dylan Gabriel was a better quarterback. Oh, man, Jaden Gibson on third down, he wouldn't have dropped that pass if Dylan Gabriel was a better quarterback. The offensive line wouldn't jump uh, before the snap count if Dylan Gabriel was a better quarterback. You, you see, it just doesn't, I mean, it just, there's so many problems. Across the board with this team, that I don't, I don't think putting it on one guy, offense or defense. And I mean, I just don't, I don't see the rationale in that. I mean, he's not a super Scott, a superstar. He's not, he, I'm, and I've never said he was. I, I mean, I've, I've said to my recollection. Okay, we can go back. Call me out if I'm wrong on this. I'm pretty confident I've, I've referred to him multiple times as just kind of the game manager type guy. I thought you would enjoy seeing him distribute the ball. I, I just think the offense is not as good as we thought it was going to be. But he's not a superstar. That guy's in Los Angeles right now. There's your superstar. Your superstar is winning football games for the Philadelphia Eagles. There's other superstars. They're with the Cardinals and and with the Panthers. They're not doing so hot. Um, and, but Dylan Gabriel's not that guy. And that's you. Oklahoma went from Baker Mayfield to Kyler Murray to Jalen Hurts to uh, Spencer Rattler to Caleb Williams to Dylan Gabriel. And so that standard of the superstar quarterback. Well, it's just, I mean, the standard's there. Dylan Gabriel doesn't match that, but it doesn't mean he's the problem. There's there's bigger issues. And you want to know what else? There's no other option behind Dylan Gabriel. You saw that. Davis Bevel, no confidence. No confidence at all. Not, not me having no confidence in Davis Bevel, which I don't. Davis Bevel doesn't have confidence in running this offense. That was deer in the headlights type stuff. That was Landry Jones coming in for Sam Bradford. And I would even say 
if, for those of you who remember, when 2009 season opener, when Landry Jones was thrust in there, I think he did better than Davis Bevel did on Saturday in Fort Worth. General Booty? Nick Evers? Micah Bowens? I mean, if, if, if General Booty, Nick Evers, or Micah Bowens, if they were any better, don't you think that they would have been thrown in there? But they're not. There is no other option. And so hopefully Dylan Gabriel in time heals up and gets back out on this with this team offensively. But man, the, the calls for somebody else, I'm telling you, you you've seen and, and unless Davis Bevel comes out and plays out of his mind and leads Oklahoma to a win over Texas, unless that happens. I think that's the only scenario in which Oklahoma can come back and say the next time Dylan Gabriel overthrows or underthrows, then we can, hey, put Davis, Davis Bevel in. He beat Texas. I think that's the only way you can do that. I don't think Davis Bevel is going to lead Oklahoma to victory over Texas. Hate to call that shot six days out from the game. But my confidence level is not high. Davis Bevel's confidence level definitely isn't high. Brent Venables didn't sound like he was really high on this team either. So, you know, you you want to, here's an unscripted thing. I kind of script out the podcast. Here's something that came unscripted to right to my mind. This game Saturday in Fort Worth, it really showed the lack of depth that Oklahoma has on this roster. There, there are some frontline guys that are really good. There are some frontline guys who are mediocre. But man, there's a lot of two deep guys, number two, number three, that just aren't good. And that was on full display. But we can't put it all in Dylan Gabriel. I mean, we got to bring in the offensive line. 12 quarterback sacks this season. 12 sacks in less than, what, five games? How many false starts? I, I don't think anybody, I, I again, sarcasm, sorry. Sarcastically from Twitter, I was like, oh, someone must have yelled boomer from the PA. That TCU PA announcer, he was onto something. The offensive line gets set, and he goes, boomer, and then they f- jump off sides. Was that the problem? Was that the problem Saturday in, in, in Fort Worth? No. No, the problem is the offensive line, they're not good. They can't hold their water. I, I think we can say now that th- that's a problem. I think there's trust issues across the board. Whether we're talking about Dylan Gabriel, when we're talking about receivers, whether we're talking about Jeff Levy, I think there's trust issues. And I think there's still a learning curve. I think there's still a massive learning curve with this team. I mean, Jeff Levy's still trying to figure out what he's got. Dylan Gabriel's still trying to figure out some chemistry. Everyone's trying to figure out their positions and, and what they're supposed to do in certain plays. I think there's a learning curve. Man, above all else, I just I don't see how it's possible not to be worried about next week. And we'll we'll get into that later on the week. We'll get into that in the midweek podcast. But I'm just saying moving forward with what you saw, what I saw in Fort Worth, Texas, against the TCU team, might I add, I, I think TCU is better than advertised. And I've been saying that for a while. I mean, I've been saying, if you've listened to this podcast, thank you for continuing to listen. But if you've listened to the podcast, you know I've been saying TCU is kind of your, your underdog, your, your dark horse to make it to the Big 12 championship game. I, I've been, so I think they're better than, than advertised. 
but dang, they exposed a lot, and and I, I don't know how you can be confident moving forward. Offensively, well, defense, that's a whole different story, and I guess we should get into that next. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Sooner Family Therapy Session 2. Uh, let's talk about the defense. The offense has its, has its uh, bevy of, of problems, but so does the defense. Um Man, 668 yards of offense from TCU. 307 passing yards, 361 rushing yards, 9 yards per pass, 8.8 yards per rush. (laughs) You want to find out why they've lost the last two games? Yep, there's problems on the offense, okay? That's well documented. We spent 12 plus minutes talking about it. Here's a big stat that has nothing to do with the offense. A big stat that has nothing to do with Jeff Levy. A big stat that has nothing to do with Dylan Gabriel. You ready for this? Last two games, Kansas State, TCU, 96 points this defense has given up. 96 points, guys. 1,177 yards of offense given up in two games. And just the last two weeks, 96 points, 1,177 yards of offense surrendered. It doesn't matter who you put under center. It doesn't matter. You could bring Baker Mayfield back. You could bring Kyler Murray back. I'll give you Caleb Williams back. All right? Jalen Hurts, pick your poison. Go back and get Jamel Holloway from 1985. It doesn't matter. If your defense has given up 1,177 yards of offense and 96 points in two weeks, you're not winning a football game. Now, don't, again, don't, don't, I mean, I feel like you either have to hate Dylan Gabriel or you have to love Dylan Gabriel and there's no middle ground. So don't, I mean, I don't want to turn this all the way back to that conversation we had in the opening segment, but come on. If you're, if you're going to say Dylan Gabriel's not the guy, okay, fine. Ride or die with Davis Bevel, but also admit 1,177 yards given up to opponents is ridiculous. This is a defense that can't tackle, they can't cover, they can't get pressure on the quarterback, they can't shed blocks. By the way, where did the four-man front go? You saw a four-man front for three weeks. You saw it against UTEP. You saw it against Kent State. You saw it against Nebraska. Suddenly against Kansas State and TCU, four-man front's gone. Rushing three, dropping eight, and getting obliterated. For the second week in a row, you made a quarterback look otherworldly. You took a non-superstar quarterback in Adrian Martinez, and you made him the Big 12 Offensive Player of the Week. And then he had enough confidence to go to Lubbock and do the same thing again against against Texas Tech. You took Max Duggan, who has been efficient, but really hasn't been a dual threat guy this season. And you made him a Heisman candidate. I mean, not really, but you get the point, right? This defense, this defense is bad. 
And and I don't I don't know where you start. I, I think I think when you're comparing the two offense, you got to think about rhythm. You got to think about assignment. You you got to think about ball security, and you got to think about efficiency. Right? Those are your things. Rhythm. Can we get into a good rhythm with the flow of play calling and and executing said play? Right? Here's a good example. The uh, the the Jaden Gibson drop. I'm sorry to keep coming back to that, but since we've already talked about it, it's already fresh on the minds. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. But the Jaden Gibson drop. There's your flow. Okay. Good play calling. Bad execution. The play was there. It would have been a first down. Wasn't executed. Marvin Mims on the fumble. Again, bad execution. But you you can talk about those things. You can talk about that on offense and say, man, here's, here's how you fix it. Let's focus on these fundamentals and let's get it better. Man, I, I where do you start with this defense? A defense that, that can't tackle. They, they, they can't tackle. I'm not being harsh. I'm not being a, a, over the top. I'm not exaggerating. You saw it. This defense cannot tackle. They can't cover receivers. Again, no exaggeration. You saw it. Not once, not twice. Multiple times, receivers wide open. Oklahoma was a top 10 team in the nation through three weeks of football, a top 10 team in the nation in making plays in the opponent's backfield. Now they can't even get in the opponent's backfield. I I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where to start this thing. If you're going to improve, which fundamental do you pick? Do you, do you pick assignment? Right? Know your assignment, know, know your rotation, know your, your gap, know, know your, I mean, know your player you're, you're guarding. I mean, if you're, if you're picking up the guy out of the backfield, if you're picking up the tight end, if you're picking up the slot, I mean, do you, do you start with assignment? Does that matter if you have your assignment, but you can't tackle the guy in front of you? So do you start with fundamentals of tackling and then you still blow assignments? I... I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't know where I would start defensively. Uh, look, like I said, the offense, you know, I don't, I don't think there's a way you can move forward and not, not be concerned, not be worried about Texas, not be worried about Oklahoma state, not be worried about Baylor moving forward. I, I, I how do you do that? Right. <laughs> there's, it's much worse for the defense. It is much worse for the defense. I will say this, and I and I, I mean this in all sincerity, all sincerity. With a healthy Dylan Gabriel, the offense is light years ahead of the defense. Let, let that sink in. With a healthy Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma's inept offense, which by, by the way is a, is a top 10 offense, well was, going into TCU, top 10 offense in yards, a top 25 offense in scoring. So they're not a terrible offense. They're a completely broken offense now, but still with a healthy Dylan Gabriel, they're light years ahead of this defense. And, and 
you see it against Kansas State and you think, man, that's got to get fixed. And then you see it almost amplified in a worse way against TCU. And, and you have to think, is it possible to fix it? Are these guys so fundamentally broken that they can't be fixed? That's a legitimate question with this defense. Is technique and fundamentals so bad that the defense can't get fixed? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If if guys are making tackles, all right, so you're getting in the backfield and you're making your tackle behind the line of scrimmage. Or a guy's catching the ball in front of you and you're bringing him down immediately. Or if the ball carrier comes through your gap or through the outside into the flat and you meet him and you bring him down and then you still give up 55 points, I think at that point you start looking at coachings and schematics. But like like attacking the quarterback for the failure of the offense the going out for the defensive coordinator or a position coach on the failure of the defense, it's the easy target. It's the easy thing to do. So show me guys making plays and you're still getting beat. Then we can start talking about whether the schematics are working. But if a guy meets a running back in the backfield and can't tackle, if a guy meets a receiver two yards downfield and can't tackle, that turns into a 15-yard gain. If a guy gets to the quarterback and can't bring him down, I don't think that's schematics. The, the, the job of the coach is to put you in a position to succeed. It's your job to be fundamentally aware and of sound to achieve success. And I, so I, I think, again, everything's broken. Okay, everything's broken. But there's bigger question marks defensively than there are offensively. So I've got three questions we're going to talk about. And then I've got some good news. We've got true or false featuring you guys. A Big 12 rundown. Thanks so much for riding along with us. Sooner Nation podcast. You can find us online um, at Sports Heartland. Wait, so that's Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Find us online, heartland-sports.com. Red River next week. Red River rivalry. Ooh, that's going to be fun. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here's the thing. Like I'm typically, I am typically an optimist. I try not to be pessimistic about anything in life. I really don't. I, I try my best to be optimistic with any situation. Job, family, sports, life, finances, whatever. I try, I try to be optimistic because I said this a while back. I, I may have been one of the episodes last week. People don't like being around pessimists. I like being around people. Now, I'm sarcastic. I'm very sarcastic by nature. 
But I, I'm, I'm typically optimistic by nature as well. I'm a glass is half full kind of guy. I'm struggling to find that glass half full right now. I mean, this has got me. This has got because it, it, it's not just that Oklahoma lost. Like, like the, the Kansas State loss, that was a frustrating loss. That was a frustrating loss. Because like I said, there's you. I dissected six plays last week. I did it on the podcast. I put it on the website. It's on the YouTube channel. I dissected six plays. Here's, here's six reasons Oklahoma lost that game. That was a frustrating loss because any one of those six in a different scenario, I think Oklahoma has a chance to win. That isn't the situation this week. That's not the thing this week. Kansas State was a frustrating loss. This is a discouraging loss. Because it was so bad on such a great level. There's so much to fix. You can't just point to one thing. Multiple things. And because of that, it's hard to come up with the glasses half full mentality moving forward. But I got three questions. That they're really going to help affect the perception, I think, of this program as it moves forward into the next week and the week after. Three questions that I think we need to address as Oklahoma fans. And here's the first one. The first one is, how long is this injury list? How long? I mean, look, you know Dylan Gabriel's hurt. You know Eric Gray's hurt. Marcus Major was hurt before the game. Billy Bowman was hurt. I mean, God blessing Damon Harmon. And there's others. How long is that injury list? And how long are those guys out? I said on Twitter during the game, Oklahoma wasn't just getting beat on the scoreboard. They were getting pummeled on that field. That injury list is going to affect our perception and what we should expect to happen. Uh, We've already addressed this mildly in, in the first two segments. But here's an example. If Dylan Gabriel doesn't play against Texas, and and by the way, I don't I don't see a scenario at this point in which he does play. And I think you can thank the Miami Dolphins for that because what they did with Tua, Tua clearly gets his bell rung. They do all their evaluations, they bring him back, and then he you know he gets hit so hard Thursday night against. Baltimore, no, sorry, who they play? Cincinnati. Thursday night against Cincinnati, he gets hit so hard in the next game, he goes crazy fingers. You don't know what I'm talking about? You missed all that? Well, I mean, expand your your NFL football worldview and and just see. It's there. If you're a follower of football, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And the thing is, that's fresh, and that's an ongoing thing in the NFL. There's, There's zero chance that Dylan Gabriel plays. Zero chance. And so because of that, then I think the expectations are lower for what this offense can accomplish against Texas. See, the perception changes. The perception with Dylan Gabriel is this this is an offense that has its flaws but can move the ball and put points on the board. That's the perception. And so the expectation is points on the board against Texas. Davis Bevel, who... Jeff Lebby said is for sure the, the other guy moving forward. And I'm kind of getting in the number two, but my second question. But the point is, the, the perception changes, right? The perception changes. 
And that brings me to the second question. The second question is, what is the next step at quarterback? How long? It's not a question of what, again, my opinion, I'm recording this on Sunday, the day after the game. So as of Sunday, my opinion is there's zero chance Dylan Gabriel plays against Texas. So in my brain, it's not a question of is Dylan Gabriel out? It's a question of how long, how many games is Dylan Gabriel out? I don't think he plays against Texas. And I, I just went through an explanation of why I don't think he plays against Texas. But does he play against Kansas? Does he play against Iowa State? I mean, how how long? Is it two weeks, three weeks, five weeks? So what's the next step at quarterback? And Look, I, he was put in a bad situation, okay? But let's not act like Davis Bevel was allowed to throw the football Early, I mean, he, he played. He literally played TCU. Sorry, sorry. He literally played UTEP. He, he, he played Kent State. He played Nebraska. And he wasn't allowed to throw the football against UTEP. He wasn't allowed to throw the football against Kent State. Threw the football a little bit against Nebraska. Fumbled against Nebraska. And then he goes out there against TCU where it's, I mean, it's crucial that you move the ball. It's crucial that you score. And you're like, oh, okay, this is why. This is why he wasn't allowed to throw the football. He physically can't. Too many options, not enough trust. You pick it, I don't know. But, I mean, he froze. He froze in the pocket. Is that that what you're going to do moving forward? Because I'm thinking, and no one asked me, okay, Jeff Levy has not called me. Brent Venables doesn't have me on speed dial as a consultant. But I said this on Twitter, and I, I mean it. I mean, if the if the goal of the offense now is just move the ball on the ground, is Micah Bowens? I mean, is he not the answer there? The guy can scoot, and he's he's okay throwing the football. We saw him in the spring game. He and Jaden Gibson connected for like a 95-yard touchdown. So if you're just going to run the ball, if you're going to turn the hand, if you're going to do, if you're going to do tosses, sweeps, if you're going to do some option stuff, Davis Bevel's not your guy to do that. But if you're going to try to run the offense into the same manner in which you ran with Dylan Gabriel, just remove the quarterback running as an option. Have we seen enough to be confident that that Davis Bevel is the answer for that as well? And here's the thing, me asking about Micah Bowens, I'm just asking. And it's no different than everybody saying, oh, we want General Booty. Oh, we want Nick Evers. Let's just call for Micah Bowens as well, because that's what we're going to do. I I promise you, mark it down. Twitter alert. Watch it on Saturday. Watch it. The very first bad play from Davis Bevel is someone's going to say, get him off the field. Let's see what Nick Evers can do. Get him off the field. Let's see what General Booty can do. I mean, we're already doing that, so why not throw out an idea? Micah Bowens, a guy that can run, a guy that's fast. Let's try him. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but again, perception, expectation, it's quelled quite a bit offensively because I don't know what the next step is at quarterback. And here we go. N- number three, do you do you trust Brent Venables? I, I think 
I think we're pretty much at a point now. Either you trust them or you don't. I mean, the 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 lines are, are have been drawn, and and it's interesting because you've we've experienced smooth transitions. Okay, because Oklahoma was so desperate in 1999, so desperate for something to be better that when Bob Stoops came in, it was like, okay, new coach, let's do it, right? And then you train, you transition from Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley. You had a good team, you had good chemistry, you had good all that stuff. And it was a smooth transition. And now you're actually experiencing a transitional season between coaches when when the, the cupboard is is not full, when the staff is a full-on change. Remember, Lincoln Riley didn't go through a lot of staff changes from, from the Bob Stoops era into his era. And now you're going all the way in. So the question is, do you trust him? I mean, he, he's got a... Um, He's got to tear it down. I, I think at this point, when, when you've seen this team two weeks in a row just get manhandled, when you've seen them be out this is a soft team. They were built soft. Brent Venables is not a soft coach. He's not going to coach a team to play soft, but he's got a team that is at its core, at its very core, Oklahoma is a soft football team. And they're being coached to play hard, to play physical, to play tough, but at their core, they're soft, and they're just getting demolished. There is no fight at all in this team. Think about this. And, and again, I said I said it on, on my postgame thoughts. Dylan Gabriel went out. He exited this game. He is your quarterback. He's your captain. He's the guy you look for for leadership. He guides this offense. He was taken out on a cheap shot. Anybody get in the face of a TCU player? Was there any pushing? Was there any shoving? Was there any confrontations? Nope. Just standing around watching your quarterback unconscious on the ground. That's soft, guys. That is soft. And the same thing defense. I mean, they're just getting obliterated. Defensively getting obliterated by blockers. Defensively getting obliterated by ball carriers. This is a, at its very core, at its very core, this team is soft. They were built soft. They were coached soft. And now that transition is a struggle. And Brent Venables has to tear it all down. I mean, I, I, I saw several illustrations. Of, you got you to gotta tear it down to the frame and rebuild it. Man, I, I say that's not even true. You tear it down to the foundation, then you build a new frame. This is a complete rebuild that Brent Venables is, is in the process of doing. And either you trust him or you don't. Either you trust him to get the job done or you don't. But if, if you're calling for new for coaching changes after five games, it's way too soon. Way too soon for that. Well, I don't think I don't think Ted Riff knows what he's doing. Maybe he doesn't. Because he doesn't have the guys that he needs to run the defense that he wants to run, and he's trying to adjust with the guys that he has. Jeff Libby's in over his head. What well, is he though? Is he? Because it's been success everywhere he's gone. Like it's just it's it's it comes down to whether you do or whether you don't trust Brent Venables. And here's all I'm gonna ask. Stick with it. Stick with it. If you don't trust him, if you're ready for this experiment to end after five games, if you're ready for it to end and go a different direction, save your receipts. Save them. 
That way, two or three years down the road, if this thing is still a train wreck, you've got the receipts after five games and said, man, I, I saw, I could tell five weeks in into the Brent Venables era, five weeks into his first season, I could tell it wasn't working and he needed to go. Save the receipts. But if you do trust him, save the receipts. Save them. I mean, his first recruiting class has not even arrived on campus yet. You realize that? He, he's He's not even put in his first recruiting class on campus. It doesn't arrive till next year. And I've said this, I, and I've, I've been saying, I, and I even amplified it after the Kansas State loss. Rome wasn't built in a day. You're going to be right or you're going to be wrong. One way or the other, if you trust Brent Venables and you trust the process, you trust the system, and you're either going to be right or you're going to be wrong. If you're done with it all, this is too much for you. This isn't working because you you all you knew from 1999 on was Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley. So the last 23 years, you've just experienced success and you've never really gone through a coaching change and you're done with it. Okay, save the receipts. Save the receipts because you're going to be right or you're going to be wrong. All I'm asking you to do is own it. One way or the other, own it. I'm telling you where I am right now, I trust Brent Venables. Yes, I want them to win. Yes, it drives me crazy to see rivals have better success than what Oklahoma is experiencing right now. Drives me nuts. Hate it. But I'm not ready to fire Brent Venables for it. What I'm ready is to see this first recruiting class arrive on campus. What I'm ready is to see him lay this foundation for what is to come. You can't play hard-nosed football with a soft team, and that's what they're trying to do. And Brent Venables isn't going to go soft. He will not go to practice this week and say, okay, guys, you win. We're going to go finesse, and we're going to go soft. I promise you that conversation is not happening at practice this week. It's going to take patience. It's going to take time. So do you trust him or or do you not trust him? That's what it's going to come down to to get through the rest of this season. And again, all I'm asking, all I'm asking, all I'm asking, you save the receipts. Two or three years down the road, you can come back and say, yep, I was right. Or, man, I really missed it. I was so wrong. I trusted Brent Venables. I thought he would get it done, and he hasn't. Or, I was so wrong. Man, I was ready to fire Brent Venables after five games, but look what he's done now. That's all I'm asking. Let's be honest with each other about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, so there is a little bit of good news following Oklahoma's thrashing in Fort Worth at the hands of TCU on Saturday. Uh, there, there is one. I, I said it was all bad, and and it was 99.7% all bad. But there was one good thing that happened, and that's Javante Barnes. 18 carries, 100 yards, 5.6 yards per carry, two rushing touchdowns. And he did all of that. 
He did all of that when TCU knew that Oklahoma couldn't pass the ball. I mean, Davis Bevel's not getting the job done. Let's stack the box. Let's let's defend the rushing attack. And Javante, that that was a a a a grinding out physical 100 yards of rushing that Javante Barnes produced. And if if Eric Gray's out, if Marcus Major's out, I I think there's good news that Oklahoma can move forward, knowing that Javante Barnes is going to be a fast but a physical running back six foot 201 pounds i mean oklahoma oklahoma needs a physical back what we said at the end of the last segment brent venables doesn't want finesse brent venables doesn't want soft they want punishing physicality and javante barnes looks to be that guy so he's a true freshman he's probably going to burn his red shirt i mean who knows how long marcus majors out who knows how long that eric gray is going to be out but if you're looking for something salvageable from that trip to Fort Worth, it's it's Javante Barnes, 100% Javante Barnes. Okay, true or false coming up. Uh, this is it. Your part, your time to shine, uh, man. I I I love I I love this segment. Um, thank you. All of these are from email. I hope I didn't miss something like I have in the past. I didn't see anything on Twitter. Didn't see anything on the website. But real fast, here's how you do this. You can send me an email, uh, Heartland uh, Heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. You can hit me up on Twitter at sports heartland, or you can go to our website, heartland sports.com and you can find the podcast page and you can, you can post something there. And, uh, and man, I do my best. Sometimes I miss them, uh, because it's starting, this segment is starting to grow and I love it. Uh, and, um, and, and I want to thank you for, for helping it to grow. So here we go. Uh, five questions, um, and this first comes from Don. Uh, he says, true or false, true or false. Um, there aren't three wins left on Oklahoma's football schedule and then parentheses bowl eligibility. Yeah. Oklahoma's three and two. Uh, you, you can technically make a bowl with five, but the, the standard has always been six wins. Uh, the question is, can Oklahoma go six and six? Can they play 500 ball, uh, for this season? And, I, th- I think I think it's I think it's false because because Don's saying there aren't there are not five or are not three wins on the schedule. So here's the thing. Um, I, I think you look at Iowa State. That's a winnable game, regardless of how OU's played. I think Iowa State's winnable. I think West Virginia's winnable. I think Texas Tech might be winnable. And the thing that's scary though about these these are all three road games. All three road games. There's no layup in the Big 12 anymore. They used to be Kansas. Kansas is no longer a layup. They're the number 19 team in the country. What? Oklahoma unranked Kansas number 19 in the country. We're not talking about basketball. Texas, I, I have uh, I have very, very low expectations for Texas next weekend. Kansas is in Norman. You hope, but man, that, that, offense, that offense is really good. That that Kansas you, you thought Kansas State was good you thought TCU was better Kansas is dang good man forty one point six points per game uh, how many yards are they they're averaging four hundred and twenty total yards of offense per game uh can't that Kansas how crazy are we now Kansas scares me but I think Iowa State they're having issues uh, Baylor's dropped two games that's that game's in Norman so that's a that's a a toss up uh, West Virginia. There, I think it's just a matter of time before they quit on the season. Um, 
And Oklahoma might get them because what is that? What's five games from now? That's not until November. Oklahoma State and Norman, that, that you can't help but be scared by what the Cowboys are doing right now. And then you end this season on the road at Texas Tech, and um, that could be the game. I mean, Oklahoma could be five and six. I mean, it is a realistic possibility. Oklahoma could be five and six or six and five going into Texas Tech. So I, I, I think there are three wins, Don. I, I think you've got four teams to get three wins. Iowa State, Baylor, West Virginia, Texas Tech. So, um, again, Iowa State, Baylor, excuse me, Iowa State, West Virginia, and Texas Tech are all on the road. That adds to the complication of the matter. But I'm going to say false. There are three wins out there for Oklahoma. Uh, here we go. True or false? Jeremy says this. Hey, the defense simply, uh, excuse me, the defense needs to simplify. Jeremy, you're on to something. And I'm going to say this is true. I think what we have seen is maybe too much too soon. And we, we talked about this a little bit in that second segment. Like, where, where did the four-man front go? They dropped to a three-man front, dropping eight with, you know, all kinds of possibilities. But I think what you're seeing guys do, when you had that four-man front and you were bringing pressure, you saw a lot of reaction. There was probably still busted coverages. If you go back and you look at film of, of UTEP, you go back and you look at film of Kent State, you know the first touchdown that Nebraska scored. There are busted coverages out there. But when there's pressure coming, the quarterback has less time to focus on busted coverage. And I think they've been exposed more the last two weeks because they're trying to implement some more complicated tech, um, uh, you know, philosophical philosophies, philosophies, some some more um, more complicated uh, philosophies and schematics and responsibilities. And so, yes, Jeremy, you're onto something. I I do. I I think. When you're trying to, you know, you're trying to do something, you're trying to change the culture, you're trying to change the defense. When you're not comfortable, you go back to what you know. You go back to what you know best. And that's why, in my opinion, and uh, maybe Jeremy, you agree with me because you're the one who gave the question. In my opinion, that's why you're seeing suddenly, after three weeks of decent to good defense, suddenly the last two weeks, what are you seeing? You're seeing missed tackles. You're seeing busted coverages. Guys out of place. Because they're thinking and they're not reacting. So I think you got to go back and you got to simplify. Just bring it all the way back. Understand, look, we're going to play Texas next week. And we know, we know Xavier Worthy is going to get open at some point. So what we have to do is we have to give Quinn Ewers or Hudson Card less time to throw the football. Less time to find him. And I mean, that's, I think that's your best option moving forward. But again, no one, Jeremy, no, no one's asking me to consult them on this, but something has changed and you see it on film. You, you see, you see the, you see the pass rush gone. You see the plays in the backfield gone. They got to come back. I think you go back to the four man front, you go back to what you were doing that was working through the first three weeks. And then you scrap what you've tried to implement the last two weeks. Um, Abby says this number three, uh, true or false. Abby says the team quit. Um, Wow, Abby, um, I think you're talking about just in Fort Worth on Saturday. And I'll say this, I'm going to go that route because I agree with you, Abby. I think reality hit them. Um, and, and I mean, look, maybe it's a nicer way of saying that they quit. But I think the reality hit them that we're not winning this game. We are outmatched. We can't do this. I think that hit, I mean, this team was dejected. 
And I, the way I said it earlier, you know, there was a fr- it was a frustrating loss to Kansas State. It was a disappointing, disheartening loss to TCU. And this could be what causes the house to completely crumble. And then they could start rebuilding it. I don't know, but Abby, I think you're right. You say they quit. I say they 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 hit. They, they had a moment of reality there, and um, I think we're both saying the same thing in two different ways. So I'm gonna go. That's true. Um, Tim says this number four. True or false? Tim says the linebackers have disappeared. Yes, Tim. Yes, they have. And and when we talk about our pregame uh, strategy. Two weeks in a row, I've said the linebackers need to come in and have a huge game. Two weeks in a row, I've said that this is on the linebackers, and the linebackers are disappearing. Now, I think there's two reasons for that. By the way, I, I'm going to say that, but David Aguebu had 10 tackles. David Aguebu had 10 tackles, okay? Uh, so, you, I mean, let, let's, let's call a spade a spade, and let's give credit where credit's due. That said... Here's what's happening, in my opinion. When you watch this team play, you saw the fundamental shift uh, in in a three-man front. Now, there, there's what I just said about your, your thinking and not reacting. You're, you're thinking about your assignment. You're thinking about new, new stunts, new features that have been given to you. So that is one aspect of this. But the other aspect of it is they can't get off of blocks. Three-man front against five offensive linemen, sometimes a tight end. Those linemen are getting downfield, and they're getting on to the linebackers. Think about the Adrian Martinez play. They said there were two spies. You know, it's third and 16. You stop this You stop this play right here. You get the ball back with a chance to tie the game. And then Adrian Martinez goes for 50 yards. Why? Because the linebackers got caught up on blocks. They got caught up on blocks. And so that's what's happening. I, I think it's a it's a perfect storm combination of a of a greater responsibility within this 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 defense that maybe is not overcomplicated, but it's just so new that they don't it's not clicking. And then the other aspect of that is you've got you know you you're not you 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 want that nose guard to eat up two two offensive linemen, and then your defensive ends take up two offensive linemen. So worst case scenario, you got one guy coming downfield. But that's not what's happening. The the nose guard's not requiring two guys to eat him up. So you got two guys, two linemen coming downfield on running plays and they're making connections. That's why you got David Aguebu with 10 tackles. And then you you go all the way down. Let me me find where, I'm just going to look here. I, I got the stats here in front of me. Um, Deshaun White, one tackle. Wow. Deshaun White, one tackle. Danny Stutzman did have seven, but, but there it is. I mean, yeah, Tim, the, you're true. The, the linebackers have disappeared. You picked the reason why I'm just going to say, yep, it's happened. They've disappeared. Um, here we go. Last one from Corey. Um, is that five already? One, two, three. Wow. Um, yeah, wow, this went fast. Uh, so here we go. Last one's from Corey. Corey says this: the offensive line is not elite. Uh, I'm going to go true. I'm going to go true. Which means um, I was four trues and and one false. Uh, Corey, um, 
I, I think offensively, I, I, I'm not going to get into the Dylan Gabriel debate again. But I'm going to say for me, the offensive line has been the most disappointing aspect on the offensive side of the ball. Because you got guys like Wanya Morris. You got guys like Andrew Rame. You got guys like Anton Harrison. By the way, add him to the injury list. What's he going to be like on Saturday against Texas? So there, there are things out there with this offensive line where you, they, they, they should be better than what they are. Because I think about a guy like Bray Walker, who's, who was all the talented in the world and hasn't been able to crack into this starting five. And yet you got a starting five that's consistently jumping off sides, consistently allowing pressure in the backfield. I, I mean, they're decent at run blocking, but run blocking is a lot easier than pass, pass protection. And no, they're, they're not. This is not an, an elite offensive line. They're an average that is sometimes above average offensive line. That's what they are. I don't care if it makes them a man. I don't care if it, if it upsets. It is what it is. You know that old saying? If it acts like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, then it's a duck. Until they stop jumping off sides. And, and remember what I said. I haven't got into it on this episode, but it's the same concept. It's the same principle that's, I mean, it's just, it's true. If you consistently draw a false start penalty, one of two things is happening. You're not disciplined or you're getting beat. Two weeks in a row, guys. Two weeks in a row. Elite offensive lines don't do that, especially two weeks in a row. So that's it, true or false. I hope you participate next week. Thanks so much for doing it this week. Big 12 rundown. We'll get out of here and let you enjoy uh, the week of (laughs) Texas hate week. Uh, But we know what's coming, right? But hey, we still have fun with it, right? Still have fun with it. All right, we're starting to see the Big 12 contenders kind of take shape as the Big 12 conference season is, uh, you know, it's underway. And you look at some teams who have solidified themselves. And then you got some teams who are kind of, maybe in the mix. And then unfortunately you got some teams who are just their their backs are against the wall. And you, I think you look at Oklahoma, Oh, and two clearly their backs are against the wall. You, you look at, um, you look at West Virginia, Oh, and two backs against the wall, Iowa state, Oh, and two. And then you got like Kansas two and Oh, Kansas state two and Oh, Oklahoma state two and Oh, there's, I mean, isn't it crazy that right now Kansas is more of a front runner in the Big 12 than Oklahoma is? But I, I think I think if you look at right now the way it is, Oklahoma State and TCU are your two clear front runners. I'm not changing anything on my power rankings. Just kind of throw that out there. I'm still going to rank TCU number one. They didn't do anything not to deserve number one. Uh, Oklahoma State's going to be number two. Here's Kansas State right there at number three. And then you got those guys in the middle, like Texas, one and one, Texas Tech, one and one. You know, um, I feel like someone else is. Oh, Baylor. I, I, I feel like I'm missing somebody. They're in the middle. They're not in. They're not out. But they're on, on definitely on more solid footing than teams like Iowa State and Oklahoma and West Virginia are. I was totally wrong. I mean, I, 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 I hate, man, I hate this. Totally wrong in Oklahoma State. Totally wrong. Totally wrong on Spencer Sanders. And he did throw an interception against Baylor. Uh, but, man, Cowboys, they're looking the part. And uh, it's one of the things that makes what's happening in Norman even that much more frustrating. 
Oklahoma State 36-25 to over Baylor. And the Bears came out swinging in the third quarter, outscored the Cowboys 22-17, to but at the end of the day, uh, too much uh, Spencer Sanders, too much Oklahoma State offense. Uh, they take that win to move to 4-0, 1-0 in Big 12 play. Kansas State follows up. It's win in Norman with a win at home against the Red Raiders. Uh, Kansas State 2-0 on the Big 12 season, 4-1 on the regular season. Uh, Kansas, we've already talked about them. They move into the national rankings at number, uh, you know, top 25 rankings. Um, 14-11 win over Iowa State. Uh, it wins a win. You take that dub. I told you to take the Wildcat, uh, take the, the Jayhawks in this game. No way they should have been underdogs to the Cyclones. Uh, it was not a fantastic game. But it, nonetheless, it was a win. Texas Texas looked way better than Oklahoma did um, on Saturday. I was wrong about Texas. I thought West Virginia would put up more of a fight. The Mountaineers do put up 13 points in the fourth quarter, but they still lose by 18. And um, and so there you have it. You know, a TCU basically run rules Oklahoma to shape up your Big 12 weekend. A lot of work to be done. A lot of football left to be played. Uh, that could be good. That could be bad based on how your team's performed so far through the first week of October. Hey, thanks so much for for listening. I hope you subscribe. Um, you can hit us up on TuneIn. You can find us on iHeartRadio. You can find us on Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, wherever there's podcasts. We're pretty much there. So thank you uh, for finding us. Thank you for listening. Um, if you would do us a solid and just make that you know that rating uh, four or five star. I don't ha- I don't have to be you know I'm not going to be you know. With a guy that you gotta give us a five star if you're listening. If you like it, give us a five star. If you don't like it, give us a four star. If you don't like it, stop listening. I mean, that's that's kind of where I am in that. But man, thank you so much for those of you that participated in the true or false. I hope you have a good week. We're gonna break down some more things um, at the website, and then we'll start moving into OU Texas uh, around midweek, um, and then we'll be back Thursday with the OU Texas preview. Have a fantastic week wherever it takes you guys. But we're soon. I'm gonna be the man who's working hard for you